I can't believe you don't know this song. I'm hoping that I actually do know it and your rendition was just poor. Well, fuck you. <laughs> oh, by Guns N' Roses. Welcome to the Jungle. Okay. Yeah, Guns N' Roses. It's a classic. Got that build up going. Builds for a while. Let you know something really rocking is about to happen. Because it's Guns and Fucking Roses. Ooh. Got that nice groove. Yeah. Uh-huh. Kind of makes you want to dance. Yeah. Oh. You get it now? Yep. That's such a distinctive voice. So good. It is. So, so yeah, th- that that is Welcome to the Jungle Guns and Roses. I still can't believe you didn't get that reference. I didn't think I we were going to do a generational you. gap that early in this episode, <laughs> but apparently... You just had no idea who Guns N' Roses is. No, I know. I just, not all that much. <laughs> gotcha. Listen, that wasn't one of the bands Mom had on her mixtapes. No, it wasn't because they did drugs and fucked a lot. Listen, I think I've said this before. She questioned me listening to Frank Sinatra because he had mob ties. He's Frank fucking Sinatra. That's like the least offensive music you can possibly get for someone in her age range. What else am I supposed to be doing? Like beyond this point, I'm just watching the Dick Van Dyke show and like shitting the bed. You know? No, you're supposed to... No, 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 Stevie, Stevie. You have to listen to, to nice, nice... If you're going to listen to secular music, it has to be nice and chill, like Peter, Paul, and Mary. Do you know what I thought about? What did you think about? This was yesterday. I was talking to Shiloh about this. Mom loved that horny-ass song, Honky Tonk, Badonka Donk. Huh. It's that honky tonk, badonky donk. Lord have mercy, how she even get the britches on? Yeah, that hockey dog. But one time she turned on the radio and heard Shape of You by Ed Sheeran playing and got really upset at how sexual it was because it referenced the smell of you in my bed. You know what it is? Huh? She may not have known what badonkadonk is. I surely did. (laughs) Lord have mercy, how she even get the britches on? Even Even in elementary school, I remember knowing what that meant and questioning it, but I was like... All right, what you say goes, I guess. Well, maybe mom didn't know. I'm betting mom didn't know. <laughs> no fucking way. She definitely knew. She definitely knew it was about ass. Hate to see her go, but love to watch her leave is like the line in that song. Like, how worldly do you think our mother is? I don't. I don't think she would know. No, I'm certain she's not stupid. She's Christian, but she's not dumb. I think that she knew, but I. I, I guess it didn't specifically reference sex. Stevie. It just referenced admiring someone's body. Yeah, if I'd listened to it though before she did, she would have hated it. <laughs> Here's the thing. You say she's Christian, but she's not dumb. Yeah. She and pops were checking our older sibling for track marks on her arms they when they found out marijuana. that she had smoked marijuana. God damn it. That shit's really funny. <laughs> That's really fucking funny. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, uh, yeah. She did do that. When was yeah, that? Yeah, she did do it. Uh, before you were born. That was in the late 90s. <sighs> I was hoping it was earlier. Late 90s wasn't too long before I was born. <laughs> no. Track <laughs> God, it's because you're always shooting up that damn weed. <laughs> yeah, it's like mid to late 90s. Because that's how people do it. They, 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 they shoot up that damn weed. The dispensary does have injectables, but that sounds fucking awful. There's a hundred different ways you could take it. Why would you do that one? I, no. No way. No way. <laughs> no fucking way would I do an injectable. No fucking way, dude. Mm-mm. It's gender swap. Welcome to Gender Swap, a podcast by two transgender siblings, one of whom 
has lined up an extra special episode with a ton of segments and is extremely stoked to talk about them. The other one gets the heebie-jeebies over a little thing like marijuana injectables. You do too. Hush, Stevie. Mm. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Micah. My pronouns are they, them. My name is Stevie, and I use he, they pronouns. And today on Gender Swap, I've got a very special segment called Stevie Drinks a Drink That's Really Yucky. Give me one minute. Why would you do that? For its relaxing and euphoric effects. What are you drinking? It's just kava. Because it doesn't interact with my meds like Kratom does. Okay. Trust me. After my after my Kratom catastrophes, I, I, I have checked extensively since before ingesting anything. No, that's fair. I it's just, gross. I, it's gross, though. It sucks. No, I figured it's gross. I don't, I don't trust it, but uh, that's just me. Ooh. You can drink the nasty stuff, but Stevie... I'm built different. I drink that in one go. Indeed. I made them start adding mango juice to it, which the the bartenders or kava tenders or whatever they call them always like look at me like, oh my God, oh my God, because you're supposed to drink the dirt water straight, but it's a lot easier to drink if it's got a little mango in it. It doesn't numb your mouth so bad. Speaking you just took it out of all. Mango? Oh my God. Mango peach. Delish. Well, I have mango a cranberry. Peach. I have a cranberry kiwi vape, and it has a lot of really cute little kawaii stickers on it. These mean Shadow got the same flavor and wanted to differentiate them. So theirs has a little bunny, a spaceship, and on the back is a little sticker that says, go away. And it's adorable. So this is just Vice City in this podcast today. When is it not Vice City in this podcast? We're pretty much always. (laughs) It is always Vice City in this podcast. I don't think there's been a single episode where one of us wasn't a little high. At least one of us. Yeah, which actually I'm not because I just took the edibles. So okay, okay. Well, it'll you'll take get a, a good, while to kick in. It'll take a little bit for the 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 COVID to hit me. So we've got about a, a good 15 minutes of good clean podcasting. No cusses. Have we cussed yet this episode? Don't, Stevie. I'm pretty sure we've already said the word fuck. Did we really? We've already said the word fuck. Well, yeah. I mean, just now, oh, man. And we already said it before that too. I'm pretty sure. Man. Because. It's such second nature for both of us that I don't even compute it anymore. That's just how it goes. Sad. Speaking of how it goes, mm. here comes the news. Oh. Our first headline. Mm-hmm. U.S. Appeals Court keeps California assault weapons ban in force. Really? Yeah. A uh, U.S. Appeals Court ruled on Saturday that California's assault weapons ban will remain in force while the state attorney general appeals a lower court decision declaring the 30-year-old measure unconstitutional. Hmm. Here's the thing. How is it unconstitutional? Constitution the founding fathers it. loaded their guns through the muzzle, and it took like three or four minutes to get the gun loaded, and then you get one shot, Stevie. One <laughs> fucking shot. And then you got to do it all over again. That's why initially warfare with guns involved a bunch of people standing in a line just shooting at each other. Yeah. Which is the stupidest fucking way to fight a war, but obviously designed by the ruling class because they weren't the ones putting their lives on the line. Yeah, very much so. It's just kind of like long-range target practice across the board. And statistically, most people don't want to kill, so they shoot over the enemy soldiers' heads. Mm. You know, I've always it's thought extre- about that here and there because, like, <sighs> there's got to be at least some guys there who don't want to be fighting a war. So you just got to pretend to be doing what you're supposed to be doing and then run. You just try to survive as long as you can. That's it. 
the the urge to not kill is so strong that whenever firing squads oh yeah they are multiple. used what they do is they always give one gun in the firing squad a blank <gasps> oh so that whenever people shoot the the the, the, the guy, victim the i guess whatever lack of a better word uh with bullets they can always reassure themselves that well i had the blank right I didn't actually. I had the blank. I didn't know there were blanks. I just thought it was so that nobody would know who struck the killing blow. But if you get done in by a bunch of bullets. It's all kind of killing blows. They're all kind of killing blows. Yowch. But uh, yeah, a divided three-judge panel of the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals blocked the injunction issued last week by U.S. District Judge Roger Benitez in San Diego from taking effect while the case remains under review. The panel also unanimously agreed that the state attorney Rob Bonta's appeal in support of the gun law would be heard on its merits on an expedited basis. Hmm. Okay, wait. So the guns aren't allowed while they're talking about it. Yeah, and they haven't been allowed for 30 years. Okay. Basically, roughly 30 years ago, if I remember correctly, there were a few mass shootings with assault weapons. And California was like, fuck you. We're just going to ban them. Fair. And then banned them. Because... You don't need assault weapons for anything. You do not. Yeah. Aside from murder. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, that's the first headline. Hell yeah. Our next headline, still in California. Mm. Thousands rally in downtown LA against Israel's air and ground war in Gaza. I was wondering if we were going to bring that up because it is still ongoing. It is still ongoing, and it is getting worse. They cut off all telecommunications from Gaza, so nobody is able to call for help. Nobody is able to report on what is happening, and the bombings, from what we have been able to hear, got worse right after they did that. It is just full-blown killing fucking everybody. The goal is genocide, and the goal is to cover it up as well. Uh, and with, uh, That's you know... always the goal in genocide, is, is, is to try always. to cover it up and try to pretend that didn't happen. And after they complete the genocide, the first thing that happens is they say, oh, there wasn't a genocide. Yeah. Even though the entire world saw it. Yeah. Oh, and also Thousand- they're using um, United States manufactured weaponry to do so. Um, yeah. And Joseph Robinette Biden is pretty comfortable saying that Israel has a right to defend itself, even though it's the ones doing literally all of the attacking. Uh, and it sucks really bad. And uh, supposedly inside of the DNC, they think that everybody's going to fucking forget about it by the time the next voting cycle comes around. Guess fucking what? Pretty guess hard fucking, to forget. Guess fucking what? Joe Biden's uh, approval ratings right now? <sighs> bad. Dropped by like 37, dropped to 37% or something crazy like that. 25%. It's gotten even lower. Last time I checked was like two or three days ago. Holy shit. It's at 25%. It is unheard of for a sitting president to have an approval rating that low. That Especially is... coming up on an election. Wow. Wow. That is like worse than ever. <laughs> that is worse than ever thought possible, typically. Holy shit. Thousands of people waving the black, green, and red, and white Palestinian flag and chanting from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, gathered at Pershing Square on Saturday afternoon to protest Israel's escalating air and ground war against Hamas in the Gaza Strip. The event began with a series of speakers who decried the deaths of thousands of Palestinian civilians and Israeli bombing attacks since October 7th when Hamas militants launched their bloody incursion into Israel and called for an end to what they termed an Israel occupation 
of the densely populated enclave on the eastern coast of the Mediterranean Sea. Mm-hmm. Last I heard, over 7,000 people had been killed. It is, like, definitively more since then. Yeah. So, moving on from that, speaking of people dying, do you know who Matthew Perry is? I do. He was Chandler on Friends. I read about that yesterday. Matthew Perry, star of Friends, dies after an apparent drowning. In his hot tub. Apparently, if you have heart issues, you're supposed to be careful in a heart, hot tub because it can fuck up your heart and stuff. Oh, shit. And he had some heart issues God damn. from years of doing harder drugs in his youth. Oh, yeah. While he was on Friends, he was going through it as well. Yeah, he was going through it back then. And, uh, yeah. I didn't know that hot tubs could do that. That's really sad. Hot tubs could do that. That's why I don't trust hot tubs. Even if I don't have a heart condition, I'm still thinking in terms of, like, if it could kill you with something like that, I mean, I just I just don't trust hot tubs. Is that why you have a hard time leaving the house? Because a lot of things can kill you for different reasons. Yes, Stevie. That's why I'm an agoraphobic. Okay, thought so. Just yeah. wanted to check in. Inside the house is generally safer. I had to leave the house yesterday to go get my meds, which... That's fucked up. So did I! I'm taking the meds so I can leave the house, and I have to leave the house to get the fucking meds? What is wrong with you people? I had to leave the house to pick up my uh, HRT meds. Well, that's nice. Oh, shit. I just remembered that mine is also ready to refill. Yeah, and the guy that, like, was at the counter, I was all like, Hey, I need to refill my estradiol. And the guy was like, okay, yeah, we'll have it done before 6. Come back before 6. And I was like, well, you can't just fill it right now and I can wait for it? He goes, no, we're busy. I looked around. There's nobody (sighs) else there. Okay. Just come back before 6. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll do that. So I left. I got back at like 5.30. Yeah. After killing a couple of hours because what else was I going to do? Right. I get back at 5.30. Guess what's not done yet? Oh, fuck that. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, we'll go ahead and fill that right now. Oh, so you so you can? Well, All right. So you can. You couldn't have done this hours ago whenever I was here before, but okay. All right. Same yeah. guy? Same guy. <laughs> Stupid, okay. Uh, can, can you not request that they refill it on the app? What app? I don't trust apps. I go in person. <sighs> that is understandable, but part of the... Per- or you can call them to ask them to refill it. You don't have to go in person to request it every time. I don't like calling either. I had them fuck it up before when I did that. That's fair. That's why I go in person, so if they stare me type, in the face... Type in Discord where, what, what pharmacy you use, because... I'll just tell you, I use Walgreens. Oh, okay, I don't. I have CVS for one, Walmart for others. Just because I'm going wherever everything's cheapest. <laughs> I just have my little GoodRx app on my phone, and I'm like, okay, is it... Oh, oh, it's $2 less over at CVS. Well, let me go, let me go get my savings, <laughs> or whatever the fuck. <laughs> yeah. But Walgreens does have an app, and I'm certain you can also call them. I understand not trusting the apps, though. I just I called it in once. They fucked it up for days. Uh, I don't trust the app to be much better. So I go in person. That, that That's how I get mine, mine taken fair. care of. So I've, uh, had, I've had good luck with apps and calling in with the two I go to. So I don't know. Well, consider good for you, Stevie. I'm apparently technologically inept. Well, I was just saying consider a switch. I'm not saying this to condescend. I'm saying that there are better options, and you don't have to struggle all the time. Stevie, what is life but a series of struggles? Yeah, but what's the point of life if not to make the struggle easier? The struggle never gets easier, Stevie. I've been Says on this, you. I've been on this bitch of a world longer than you have, 
And in my experience, the struggle only gets harder. Well, this morning, I brought my boyfriend breakfast in bed, and it was yummy breakfast casserole and iced coffee because he went to the club last night, and it was really, really fun. He was a little hungover. So today, to show that I cared for him, I brought him breakfast in bed, and we ate together and got to catch up on how the evening was. So sometimes things can be nice also. No, sometimes they are, but, you know, a lot of time, it's a struggle. But the small things make the struggle okay, or at least better to bear. No, that's fair. And Stevie is smiling sweetly at me through the camera. Micah doesn't like an honest show of earnestness. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't like an honest show of earnestness. I'm almost Gen X. And Gen X doesn't like that kind of thing. I'm I'm an Xennial. It's like the, oh, I I think I probably sent this meme to you ages and ages ago. But it was like the difference between millennials and Gen Z is that millennials are like, ugh, nothing matters. You're shouted in darkness. And Gen Z is like, yeah, nothing matters. And that's kind of the primary difference. No, that's fair. Optimistic nihilism. We're going to move on to Mischievous Boys. I want to talk about a mischievous boy like no other. Like no other. We have not done a mischievous boy nearly this mischievous. Okay, okay. You might be thinking to yourself, you know, Micah, how do you how do you know that this guy was so mischievous? Yeah. Well, his name is Tom Lear. Okay. And he wrote songs. Cool. He wrote leftist songs. Very cool. I was hoping it was going to be silly songs with Larry type deal. Well, he also wrote silly songs. He wrote silly songs? Yeah. In fact, I'm going to share my screen with you right now so we can uh, listen to one of them. Poisoning Pigeons in the Park is the title of the song. Yes. Not the genre I expected. Every Sunday you'll see my sweetheart and me as we poison the pigeons in the park. When they see us coming, the birdies all try and hide. But they still go for peanuts when coated with a cyan hide. <laughs> He's so talented. Pithy and humorous songs from the 50s and 60s is what Wikipedia says. Yeah, so don't read too far into it. I'm going to actually tell you about him. Hit me. Oh, I was just finding the link to, to download the song. He's got a ton of great songs, including uh, one about the bomb. Okay. We'll all go together when we go. Oh, yeah, that's pretty pretty topical for the 50s and 60s, I would say. Yeah, so Tom Lear, born okay. as Thomas Andrew Lear, is an American singer-songwriter and mathematician. He's also still alive. Cool. He is known for his dark humor and satire. As a singer, he often parodied popular songs and wrote controversial lyrics dealing with the social and political issues of his times. As a child, he used to receive classical piano lessons, but gradually his interest shifted toward pop music. Okay. He began writing songs and tunes from a young age. Lear was a brilliant student. He earned his A.B. in mathematics from Harvard University wow. and at the age of 19 and his master's degree the next year. Wow. So he was 20 years old with a master's. Smart as fuck. He was inducted into the Phi Beta Kappa Society, an academic honor society in the United States, which aims to promote and advocate excellence in liberal arts and sciences. Yeah. And taught at MIT, Harvard, and Wesley. What a talented feller. His songs often created controversy due to their dark, 
macabre and satirical nature, but he never bothered. He started writing funny songs while in college to amuse himself and his friends, though he had no plans to become a musician. But his friends, who greatly enjoyed his parodies and comic songs, encouraged him to record them. Thus, he recorded his first album, Songs by Tom Lear, under his own label, Lear Records, in 1953. Cool. Lear was a comic paradox who successfully managed two seemingly unrelated careers. One as a mathematician and one as a musician. That's delightful. A mathemusician. A mathemusician. He served a short stint in the U.S. Army from 1955 to 1957. Very short. And returned to Harvard to teach and to complete his Ph.D. However, he could not obtain his doctorate in mathematics. Oh. He recorded a live album, An Evening Wasted with Tom Lear. That's in lovely. <laughs> in Sanders Theater at Harvard. And included songs with shocking lyrics like Poisoning Pigeons in the Dark and The Masochism the Tango. Poisoning Pigeons in the Park. Yes. You said in the dark, which is much more ominous. No, I said park. You'll hear it. I'll, I'll, I'll listen back to it. And, and the Masochism Tango. <laughs> yes. He released another album, More of Tom Lear, in 1959. It had the same track listing as his previous album. He issued both the live and studio versions at the same time. Cool. His next album, Tom Lear Revisited. Mm. <laughs> the sequel. Re- released in 1960 was a collection of live recordings of all the songs from his 1953 album, Songs by Tom Lear. In the 1960s, he also wrote songs for the American version of the UK TV news program, That Was the Week That Was. Sure thing. It was a comedy program that talked about news of the week. Okay. Like SNL. It was in, yeah, 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 a little more political. Okay. SNL, if anything, is really apolitical. Pretty toothless overall. Yeah. The songs he wrote in the 1960s were increasingly more political and mm. dealt with topics such as war, religion, racism, pollution, etc. Tom, they hate that. Tom, you're going to get in trouble. In 1965, after a gap of six years, he released an album of songs he wrote for the show that was the week, that's the week that was, titled That Was the Year That Was. Okay. He made a short tour of Norway and Denmark in 1967, where he performed some of his songs. At around the same time, he composed and played original songs on piano for a Dodge automobile industry film. Film? Not commercial? Film? Which meant that it was shown to other auto industry types about Dodge. Cool, I guess. Good for him. By the 1970s, Lear almost gave up his music career to concentrate on teaching. Uh, Still, he wrote songs for a children's educational TV program, The Electric Company. (gasps) Have you heard of The Electric Company? Yeah, they did a reboot when I was a kid. Yeah, he wrote for the original run of it. He wrote some music for them at the request of a friend. In 1972, he became a teacher of mathematics and musical theater. That's a combination. That surely is. (laughs) At the University of California. Math and musical theater. After serving there for 29 years, he taught his last mathematics class in 2001 and has since been enjoying his retired life. Good for him. What a mischievous fella. Mischievous as fuck 100% a shoe-in for the hall of fame yeah his it, all of his songs are great you should go listen to them he's fantastic delightful yeah so that was mischievous boys musicians is a really good one musicians 
for Hall of Fame. Musicians is like a good category for the Hall of Fame. Sometimes. There are a lot of mischievous musicians. There are a lot of mischievous musicians. One, in fact, I'm thinking of right now uh, that we can talk about at a future date, although he's more mischievous from the academic sense. I don't know if Mm. you'll really appreciate, like... The level of mischievous that he put into it academically. I surely would. When we're talking dense in the weeds music theory stuff. I took AP music theory. Okay, Stevie. You took AP music theory. Follow-up question. How much of it do you still remember? Like the rudimentary stuff and enough to admire when somebody else does it better than me. Okay. Y'all, Mike is out here calling me fucking stupid. Did you hear that? Micah just said with their own real human mouth that they think I'm fucking <laughs> I stupid. I think you're fucking stupid. That was crazy. How could you say something like that on the podcast? You think I'm fucking stupid? I don't think you're fucking stupid. I just don't think that, like... That I would get it? You don't think I would fucking get it? You know what? Give me a shot. Next week, <laughs> next week, if I remember, if I, if I remember, this will be a Patreon episode. Okay. On the Patreon episode, we will talk about Pinderetsky. That sounds cool. Don't know who the fuck that is, and I'm excited to learn. Fair enough. Speaking of people who you don't know who the fuck it is. Yeah, sure. We're going to move on to our next segment, the generational gap. Hip hop, a hippity hop, it's the generational gap. Ooh, yeah, I won't know who the fuck this is. (laughs) You definitely won't. By the way, this has been a very musical episode where I've had to play not one... Not two, but three songs for you. Another song for me? Because this generational gap, we're going to talk about Millie Vanilli. Oh my god. Yeah. I know them because mom loved them, and she told me about the whole scandal that happened with them. Well, shit, she just spoiled the entire segment. Isn't that crazy that mom liked that and mom is the one who introduced me to fucking Millie Vanilli? <laughs> Didn't you ever, have you ever heard any Millie Vanilli music? Yes, because she played it for me. Well, Isn't guess that what? wild? Play more. I'm going to give you a refresher. <laughs> and we're going to listen to and watch the music video that the music video itself, it's got some, uh, there's some things in here. Girl, You Know It's True by Millie Vanilli. So you know this song, right? Probably. God, this goes so hard. It is a jam. It is such a jam. It is. Also, their outfits, all on point. Cool outfits. Lots of Very spinning. cool outfits. Oh, she's moving out. She's shoving him away when he tries to hug her. Oh, they do a little dance. They do so much dancing because dancing was, was pretty all much they could Nilly do. Vanilli's thing. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, they do a little dance. I love their, oh God, the shoulder pads, the pointy angled shoulders. The pointy angled shoulders, the really shiny shoes, which they'll show them in a minute. Show me the shiny shoes. Got the crop top on. He's running after her. He's running after her. He can't let her get away. For some reason, he's looking for her now. There was the shiny shoes. Those are very shiny shoes. (laughs) Shiny as fuck shoes. Those are very shiny shoes. You get the idea, right? I enjoy. I enjoy. You get the idea. Okay. I do. So, Millie Vanilli. uh, They were active from 1988 to 1991. Mm -hmm. That's a very short stint. That's a very short stint. I thought that, man, they really did not get away with it for long. 
They had tons of hits. Okay. Lots of hits. Uh, they've got one called Blame It on the Rain. I've heard that Blame one. Blame it on the rain. That yeah. Uh, yeah. So it is funny to me that mom introduced you to Millie Vanilli. Isn't that so unexpected? Because I would have expected her to be like done with them after the, cheating the controversy. Scandal. Yeah. So for our younger listeners who may not know who Millie Vanilli is, I'm going to start from the very beginning describing them. Mm. Rob and Fab met in an L.A. dance club, moved back to Munich, and made money by appearing in videos and working in a post office. Cool. Producer Frank Farian, whose group Boney M sold millions of records worldwide, set them up to bring some of his musical creations to life. Mm. He used them only as the face, but not the voice, Mm -hmm. for the songs. So somebody else did all the singing and all the rapping. Man. But all they did was the dancing and lip syncing on stage and stuff. And let's you have to admit, seeing the music video, Stevie, the power they brought to that performance. You would believe it. What do you it's good. They're it, good that, performers. Great performers, genuinely entertaining. And what they were doing is no different than what people do on TikTok. Yeah, to a certain extent. The primary difference being credit being given, which TikTokers have gotten better about with audience sentiment towards that kind of thing changing um but yeah i if i remember correctly the reason it was such a big deal was because the songwriters and singers weren't credited and everybody thought that it was them doing everything right well that was because of their producer that blows it seems like it's kind of the producer's fault and then this the 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 faces ron and fab it feels like they took the fall more i don't know they did that's they totally did because they were the ones being approached by the producer. It was the producer's idea. That blows. Uh, Rob Pilatus uh, grew up in Munich, Germany. Mm-hmm. He was the son of a German exotic dancer and a U.S. soldier. Okay. Morvin was Morvin. Uh, the other one, Fab, was born in Guadalupe, but grew up in Mi- Miami and Paris. He was an inspiring athlete until mm-hmm. a neck injury sidelined him. Mm-hmm. That sucks. Regarding the band name. Some publicity materials claimed it was a Turkish phrase for positive energy. That cannot be true. It's not. Because Vanilli doesn't mean anything in Turkish, and Vanilli means national. Yeah, it's fucking nothing. <laughs> the name actually came from a defunct disco in Berlin. That's funny. It's a catchy name. They should have just said, yeah, we're named after a, a... After a fucking disco. After a fucking disco that used to be in Berlin. See, that'd be cool, but, you know, again... Uh, this is the first of, I think, several missteps by their management and producer. Mm. In 1988, shortly after Girl You Know It's True became a hit in Europe, the real rapper Charles Shaw mm. declared that Robin Fab were frauds, but <gasps> was reportedly paid a tidy sum of money to retract his statement. <gasps> According to Farian, his payout was $155,000. That's pretty hefty. That is pretty hefty. Farian made an announcement on November 14, 1990, that Rob and Fab never sang a note on any Millie Vanilli record. So, so I, I, in my brain, I call them Millie and Vanilli. I know that's not their name. <laughs> so Rob and Fab were just the guys dancing. Because I was looking at that video, and you saw someone playing the drums. You saw someone playing the piano. And I was thinking, that looks real. If, if they were faking that, I thought that could have been catchable. But no, that was like a proper band. And it was just they were the quote-unquote singers. Yes. Okay. So Farian, who was their producer, is the one that made the announcement in 1990. Mm. 
that Robin Fab never sang a note on any Milli Vanilli record. Hmm. Five days later, the National Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences <gasps> retracted their Best New Artist Grammy, the mm. first time a Grammy has ever been taken back. But again, it's not... I don't think it's the singer's, the lip syncer's fault. Yeah, that kind of blows a little bit. Like, they were good performers. I, I, I can see... I can see the Grammy being re-awarded to the actual singers and actual writers, but that's 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 hard. And the RIAA, they're a bunch of shitheads anyway. They're yeah. the ones who are all like, don't pirate and blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, the recording say, industry made so much fucking money. Do you know how much a CD cost in the early 2000s before MP3s and iPods and whatnot came on just before they came onto the scene? How much? 25 goddamn American dollars. That's a lot of American dollars. For a CD. That's a lot of American dollars. Yeah. Mom got on to me for using all of her blank CDs to make my own mixtapes, but it's not like she was even freaking using them. But she was like, CDs are expensive. And I was like, well, girl, that container's been dusty for years. Let's live and learn. Also, sure, they're expensive when you buy them in bulk, but you buy them in bulk and it lasts for years. Yeah, and it did until I got a hold of it. But honestly, she probably still has the same container because I only made like 30. <laughs> yeah, and what else are you going to do when you're young and you need to get music? You, you try to pirate it. The way that I pirated it yeah. was I would go and, and listen to the radio with a cassette tape. Ooh, smart. And I would record the song off the radio, which the problem was you also ended up recording some of like the Ads interstitials and, and uh, maybe an ad or two if you didn't catch it quite in time. Perhaps a morning zoo host. Listen, I, I just used a hundred different sketchy YouTube to MP3 sites and just managed to not get a virus the whole time. I was quite lucky. <laughs> no, I'd say you were quite lucky. Although to be fair, they were a lot less scammy early on. It has gotten much harder to find reputable non-virusy YouTube MP3 YouTube to MP3 sites now. It was much easier when I was in middle school. There were a few different reputable ones at the time. Yeah. Getting back to Millie Vanilli. Mm-hmm. They always lip-synced their performances, but at a concert in Bristol, Connecticut, <gasps> their recorded track skipped no. and repeated the line, Girl, you know it's, girl, you know it's, girl, you know it's. Pilatus and Morvan sung with it for a little while, then ran off stage. The crowd didn't seem to care, and it didn't affect the group's fortunes. Because that's they common. Artists lip-sync at concerts sometimes. They still had three more hits after the incident. Interesting. However, the media only made a big deal out of it when the scandal started to break. Right. Like, it, it's it's not unheard of for artists to lip-sync at their own concerts just because it's hard to perform and sing well at the same time, you know? In 1991, Farian, the producer, mm. released a record from the real Millie Vanilli, <sighs> which featured vocals from Brad Howell and John Davis, who had performed the actual vocals on many of Millie Vanilli's hits. That's frustrating that the producer still gets to profit on it, even though he was the orchestrator the entire time. And he fucked him over. He fucked them over, absolutely. In 1993, Pilatus and Morvan released a record as Robin Fab. They performed a song from, from it on the Arsenio Hall show, but it was a complete flop. Ah. According to one source, only 3,000 copies were even pressed. Ouch. Pilatus died in 1998 after overdosing on a combination of drugs and alcohol. That's really sad. He was 32. Damn, that's sad. Man, fuck that producer. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, fuck that producer. That's a bummer. Millie Vanilli was the subject of one of the first episodes of VH1's Behind the Music. 
Mm. They produced it shortly before Pilatus died and had to change the ending as a result. Ah, that's sad. The group sold over 10 million records worldwide in the course of their career. And their career, as you mentioned, was only like three years. Three years. That is, that's crazy. So the first sign that things weren't right with Millie Vanilli was when Pilatus had attempted suicide once before Mm. in 1991. That's really sad. Yeah. After a romantic breakup and the failure of his career. Man, that's sad. Yeah. There are two sides to the story. Rob and Fab felt manipulated and underpaid, with Fab telling the LA Times, our producer tricked us. We signed the contracts as singers, but were never allowed to contribute. Mm. It was a nightmare. Yeah. Like, they were told they were being brought on for one thing, and then it kind of did a a bait-and-switch. Meanwhile, Farian, the producer, told the same newspaper that he paid them $2.1 million, but Pilatus wanted more and forced his hand. Oh, fuck off. Said Farian... I've never heard such a bad singer. They wanted to sing. They wanted to write songs. It never happened. They went instead to discos until 4 a.m. and slept all day. All they ever did was party. Someone who likes who lives like that can't make good music. Uh, that is such a smear campaign. Also, musicians party all day long. Grow up. Also, he paid them $2.1 million. Uh, they sold 10 million copies worldwide. Yeah, that's that's very underpaid. Yeah, that's very underpaid for, for, very. for how well they did. Yeah. When the truth was revealed about Millie Vanilli, lawsuits started flying. Mm. And since Morvan and Pilatus were listed as vocals on the album credits, there was fraud, and a Chicago court ruled that Arista <sighs> would have to give rebates of up to $3 to anyone filing a claim who could prove that they purchased the Girl You Know It's True album. Damn. About 80,000 claims were filed. For people who felt passionate enough about this to want to get three fucking dollars. <sighs> that fucking stupid. That's stupid. Yeah. So that is Millie Vanilli. Man, and it's kind of just over. a tragedy all the way around. Yeah. Man, fuck that producer. It doesn't sound like the producer was really punished for this at all. No, the producer was not punished at all. Didn't lose any money. He wasn't the face of all this. That seems so common that producers are a very almost like under recognized or underrepresented part in the music industry, even though very frequently they are. I, I don't want to say orchestrators because that sounds bad, but frequently it seems like producers end up affecting things a lot more in general, like when it comes yeah. to music and then like television and like film production is obviously different. It's more, you know, money based, but like production in general seems like it is. Not shadowy, (laughs) but it feels like people don't recognize the amount of influence producers have in the entertainment industry, period. No, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. But that is all the segments that I had uh, brought for today. Well, that's exciting. So... Um, Were you about to say something? I was about to say something, which was, since I'm, I'm through with all the segments I had planned, we went through faster than I expected... We still need to get a little bit more time recorded, especially well, with the pee it. break that we just had. Well, I've got it. You've got it? Well, I freaking got it. You freaking got it. I freaking so, uh, got it. Stevie. Stevie, Stevie, Stevie's Playground. Took it a direction I didn't expect, but all right. I knew it. I'm so excited. Okay. So today we're going to play Toot and Boot. What is, what is it? Toot and Boot. Toot and Boot. Hey, real quick. Mm-hmm. Before you get started, mm-hmm. 
we had a comment left on our Patreon that I thought you might be interested in. Oh, absolutely. This is great because we're doing the Stevie's Playground drop and then the Mail Time drop. It's time for the mail. <laughs> I love how your segments, uh, this is from one of our, our listeners. I don't know if they want me to say their name, so I'm not going to say their name. But um, I love how your segments are teaching Stevie something and how his segments are making you do stuff. Yeah. I just make you have fun with me. I think you have a. I think you have a nice time with me. Indeed, I do have a nice time with you, Stevie. Stevie's playground. <laughs> they're right. They're hundred percent correct. Okay, so two and boot. It's basically like this or that, but it's just it's two and boot because uh, that's sort of from drag terminology. So you go toot like a trumpet for something you like, and then boot to boot it off the stage. Okay. Okay, gotcha. Robot apocalypse or dinosaur apocalypse. Which one are you tooting? Which one are you booting? I'm going to boot the robot apocalypse. Elaborate. I don't want to die whenever AI becomes so hyper-intelligent and starts building itself new bodies, and the cold, cold, metallic hands of a robot crushes the life out of you. I don't want to <sighs> deal with that. Because you think about technology right now. When we picture a robot apocalypse, like futuristic, whatever, we picture a time whenever there's things like laser guns. A laser gun strikes me as a pretty quick death. They could kill however, us now, though. However, based on the technology that we currently have right now and the technology that uh, an intelligence would likely incorporate because it always already exists, they're going to try to take us out with nukes, nukes yeah. bombs. If the drones become sentient, I mean... We're fucked, yeah. Yeah, what, what they could do it pretty easy. And then for all the stragglers that they aren't able to get with nukes and bombs... Well, they'll die the fallout. Well, not just the fallout, they'll come after us with guns that have bullets. Yeah, that'll be pretty easy. Like so we'll be dying basically like you would end up dying now, except by the hands of a cold, calculating machine that has no emotion and doesn't care about human life because it views us as inferior. And is also optimized to take literally the best route at all times and it would be probably impossible for us to outsmart them at a certain point with dinosaurs we're gonna need the nukes and the internet and electricity to stop the dinosaurs like it'll be difficult and a lot of people will die but it'll be easier but our world at this point is so internet based that i really think it would be pretty much impossible to stop a robot apocalypse at this point yeah also dinosaur apocalypse that's just cooler it i is would love to see news segments of, of, of brave soldiers fending off wave after wave of velociraptors and dilophosauruses and, and, you know, spinosauruses rising up out of the water and snatching mm. somebody off of their surfboard. So you like the idea of a dinosaur apocalypse because it's less likely to affect you. Stevie, without giving away too much information about where we live, we live in Florida, which is hot and muggy prime dinosaur climate that is where, yeah where do you think the dinosaurs are going to clump themselves up and they're not going to defend most of florida from dinosaurs they're only going to defend the parts that matter which is the naval bases that we have here in florida which we are nowhere near yeah also I don't think that dinosaurs would necessarily be attracted to big cities anyway. Because I think they'd be more likely to stay in, like... We have a lot of rural areas in Florida. We have a ton know. of rural areas in Florida. Like, there's a lot of wildlife. Like, Florida's known for wildlife. 
<sighs> Dinosaurs would like Florida, wouldn't they? Dinosaurs would fucking love Florida, which means I would be able to die the most rad death of something in, just coming out and just taking my head off. In the Dinosaur Wars of 2033, yeah. That sounds cool. And if I survive it, oh, it's let's really cool. say that they don't take me out, I got to live through the coolest thing, dinosaurs magically coming back from the dead, something yeah. I've wanted since I was a child, but did not think was possible. Yeah. Or, on the other hand, get killed by a damn machine. Yeah, I, I think the more improbable one is going to be the more interesting and fun one. Exactly. So, again, we're booting the robot apocalypse, okay. and we are tooting, like a Parasolophilus, mm. the dinosaur apocalypse. You've convinced me, honestly. I wasn't quite sure, but you've really convinced me. Toot or boot? Bad haircut or bad dye job? I feel like that's hard, because that feels pretty even to me. Because mm, no, both will have to grow you know, out. I would boot, I would boot the bad dye job. Mm-hmm. Because even after you get your hair cut a few times after having a bad dye job, unless you re-dye it, which will just fuck up your hair more, there'll still be signs of that bad dye and it'll job. it'll be chemically affected. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. So I would boot the bad dye job, but I would toot the bad haircut because your hair always grows and you can always try to get another haircut to, to, to you know, fix it. Yeah. If possible. Or you can do what I do and just never cut your hair. When I had a dye job that was good temporarily but grew out into something less good, I just shaved my fucking head and then the pandemic happened, so nobody even saw it while it was growing out. Surprisingly good timing on my part that I did not anticipate. I did look like a horned owl for the first few months of the pandemic, though. Like, of quarantine. Yeah. It was endearing, but very silly. Tudor boot. Talking pets or talking babies? I'm talking right out the fucking womb fully literate. Ah, that's hard. That is hard. Because you know what talking babies means? Really, really annoying. No. It means that they have attained a certain level of intelligence way before humans normally develop it. That's also frightening. That's scary as fuck. How smart are those babies going to be when the babies rise up and mm. join with the machines to or try and kick off? And No, no, they, they won't go for the dinosaurs. They'll go for the machines. Oh, they're smart babies. Because well, they're smart babies. And they they'll tell the machines talking. they'll help. They will help develop the AI that eventually becomes the robot apocalypse. They said that they talked. They didn't necessarily say they were intelligent, but speech does require a certain amount of it, like baseline intelligence to begin with. Yeah. Man, the talking baby boom of 2030 is going to cause the dinosaur wars of 2033. No, it's going to cause the robot apocalypse. Oh, shit. Fuck, you're right. Man, either way, it's not going to end up too good. I feel like we're choosing between two pretty bad timelines. <laughs> So, so I would rather, mm -hmm. I'm going to toot the talking pets. To be fucking annoying, but not necessarily dangerous. Not dangerous, might be fucking annoying, but honestly, if they could hold a conversation, that's actually kind of cool. Sometimes I feel like, you know, I want to talk to somebody and nobody else is around except my dogs. Yeah. It'd be nice to be able to strike up a conversation with my dogs. Even if my dogs are just saying shit like, hey, I think we should sit on the couch more and, uh, you know, or... Hey, just let you know, I got to go for a walk because I'm going to go poop on something. That would be handy information for me to have. So you think that your dogs would communicate 
effectively and well and tell you things you need to know and not be like, have you considered feeding me more because I'm fucking starving and de- I'm and I'm dead right now? And you're like, you're not, no, you're, you're like visibly fine and you're also a little fat. And they're like, okay, well, first of all, fuck you. Second of all, well, I'm going to figure out how to get in there. And you're like, you can talk. You don't have thumbs. And they're like, oh, I'll kill yourself. Now you have your dog telling you to kill yourself. What now? You... What if your dog's a bully? Now that's just psychological terrorism. You underestimate <laughs> how loyal dogs are to the people in their lives that feed them. This is true. I was going to make a joke that Jasper would like suicide bait me, but he's, I think he's grown past that. He would have when he was a kitten, but I think he's grown past that. <laughs> He would have had to get out of his edgelord phase, though. <laughs> See, that's the thing about my dogs. They never had an edgelord phase. They, they've been... <laughs> they've never shown you attitude or snark? No, actually, they haven't. I have gotten side-eye. That is kind of... That That feels similar to... God, the side-eye's fucking funny, though. <laughs> it is funny. <laughs> the side-eye's very fucking funny. Realizing that, like... Because some scientists are like, cats are way fucking smarter than you think. And then some of them are like don't give them all that much credit they don't know the concept of disrespect but then it's like they kind of like they know how to lie a little bit because like they'll go near the dining room table and they'll look back at us to see if we're watching and they pretend like they're sniffing the dining room floor and then we turn back and they jump them on the table and it's like okay so you were faking like you were pretending with the intent to deceive and so it's like already you're a little bit smarter than i would like you to be See, I don't have to worry about my dogs doing it because, honestly, they're not bright enough. So even if they had the, they had a speech, honestly, dogs are supposed to have the intelligence of a kindergartner. You've seen that bitch, Bunny, the talking dog with the buttons? Yeah. Frightening. Love it. It's not frightening. The dog is communicating, which is good. The dog's figured out a way to communicate with us and shows the level of intelligence that dogs have. That dog but is also, looking in the mirror and, t- and, and, and pressing the buttons to say, who is Bunny? who bunny and it's like what the fuck do you say to that bunny friend bunny family and then bunny's like what is bunny what no that's terrifying existentially horrifying however talking babies are still worse (laughs) talking babies are still worse so we're booting the talking babies entirely yeah and we're going with the talking pets Mm. this is more inane sort by price or sort by rating when online shopping i sort by rating really yeah i wish i could sort by both but i usually sort by price first and then i go based on how many ratings there are and how good i have to sort by price first though i sort by rating because honestly it doesn't always do that because they finagle the algorithm Mm. but there was at least a point whenever you selected based on rating you would get the thing that was the least expensive for the quality for the quality that it was as having the highest ratings that's pretty good i don't trust them to always do that i on personally i suspect more frequently that a platform like amazon would show you the more expensive well-rated items first but also people are more likely to buy you know a kind of a happy median i feel like it's hard to gauge yeah I, I usually end up going by price first because that's top priority, and then I end up going by rating. Even if it has good ratings, but it's only got two reviews, well, you just got your mom and dad to write those reviews, you know? Yeah. So, tooting, rating, your tooting, rating, and booting price. Yeah. I still disagree. Sauce on the side or sauce on top? That, 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 that depends on the food. That's an irrelevant mm. tooter boot. That depends on the food. Okay. 
Always. Just yes. always depends. Oh, it's, it depends on the food. For instance, would you eat a plate of spaghetti if the sauce was on the side and you had to dip the spaghetti into the sauce? Do you know how silly you would look doing that? How much of a mess it would make? How impractical it would be? You're doing that thing where you get a little semantic, which I should have anticipated. How am I getting semantic? Dipping sauce on the side or on the top. Think think finger food. Fries, chips, sandwiches, hamburgers. Not pasta, because nobody dips their fucking pasta. I'm saying with foods where it's a legitimate option, what are you doing? Don't be fucking stupid about it. (laughs) (laughs) So the correct answer is on the side, obviously. You don't want to slather it all over the top because oftentimes it only gets on the top ones and you run out of it way too soon. Whereas Mm. if you have it on the side, you can more accurately gauge how much sauce you need. Do you think? I feel that it would be harder to gauge it that way. I'm just built different. Fair enough. Shiloh's a permanent dipper, even if it's something like hamburger. Because I I think it depends with something like fries probably on the side hamburger put that shit on the top shiloh's a permanent dipper they don't want any fucking sauce on that thing they're just dipping once per bite but then i think you're getting an awful lot on each bite i don't know yeah i can see you get an awful lot on each bite doing it that way but you know who's to say if, if it makes shiloh happy it makes them happy so who am i to question it exactly so you're tooting sauce on top and bo- wait 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 you're tooting sauce on side booting sauce on top yeah and again dipping sauce because you said sauce on side or sauce on top and i immediately went to pasta sauce Ooh, ooh! in that same vein when it comes to pasta sauce on top or sauce incorporated when you first serve it are you stirring it all up or are you just plopping that dang sauce right on top no you you stir it all up obviously shiloh puts it on the top shiloh puts their their skeddy sauce right on the top and then whenever you see it in appealing photos it's always on the top what are you fucking doing you have to stir that shit up I'm incorporating everything. And then they're like, but then every bite tastes the same. And I'm like, yeah, that's the point. (laughs) They do not feel the same way. (laughs) Last couple, last couple. Zombies or vampires? Which would I rather existed or which would I rather get taken out by or... Mm. Which, by the way, it's a good thing that you said zombies or vampires because we finally have something spooky in this segment because I couldn't come up with anything spooky to talk about, really. I think... And this is going to be an episode that I release on Halloween. Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. Micah. I didn't realize this was going to be the Halloween special. I feel like we have to re-record it now. Oh, fuck me. Well, I feel kind of bad about it now. Oh, fuck. Okay. It's okay. I'll just name it Halloween special, and then people don't find out until the very end. No, that's fucked up. Oh, Micah. Oh, I feel bad. I wish I'd realized it was coming out on Halloween sooner. The worst Halloween special ever. I think that's a good title because it does what it says on the tin. <laughs> no, that is a good title. I think it's snappy. <laughs> okay. Would you rather have so, to live in a world that has zombies or vampires? Uh, Not necessarily a full-blown apocalypse. Just, just they exist. Just they exist. I would rather live in a world with vampires. Good. I was about to make fun of you if you said zombies because that would be a bad and dumb choice. No, What's zombies, your reasoning? Well, number one, zombies would be a bad and dumb choice. Mm-hmm. Just because also, not to mention, if you manage to survive long enough with a plucky band of survivors, let's say you're among the rare few people that don't immediately succumb and become <gasps> one of the shambling hordes. Yeah. 
you know how monotonous it would be to have to shoot people day in and day out constantly just to survive constant PTSD constant adrenaline going through your system constant just state of heightened awareness and probably having to take uppers and drugs in order to boost your abilities so that you won't succumb faster and the hordes won't inevitably come and rip your fucking head off do you not think that's going to be a problem if there's a vampire problem you no, still have to vampires stick denote a certain level of intelligence which means they would yes. have figured out how to hide and yes. keep themselves scarce in order yes. to survive that is actually my exact reasoning because vampires like yeah they're gonna feed on people yeah they're gonna turn on people but generally they're not trying to turn everybody because that's, that's more competition like with zombies eventually that's going to be an apocalypse pretty much period just by the nature of how like zombie apocalypses tend to work it's going to be a lot harder zombies have a vested interest in turning other people into zombies simply because they're working on pure biological not necessity but imperative yeah zombies they don't or, or vampires they don't need all that many vampires <laughs> They don't need or possibly even want that many vampires. Because then who, do, who are they going to control? Who are they going to get to do their dark bidding? Who's going to go to Walmart for them? Who are they going to eat? Who are they going to fucking eat? What then? Vampires have a vested interest in continuing the human population. Have you ever seen... Oh, shit. What is that What is that movie? Oh, shit. Uh, what we do with the shadows? Can't be Daybreakers. You need to watch Daybreakers. Is a 2009 horror sci-fi film in which vampires have completely taken over the world and are mm. the dominant species and mm. are running out of food. Ooh, that's interesting. I'm going to text that to Shiloh. Early 2000s, you said? 2009. Scary. Oh, actually, scary movie or scary video game? Judging by my own track record on what media I prefer to consume... Mm-hmm. Your personal preference. Scary movie. Okay. Because scary video game has that added element of I could do something now that would fuck me completely over and it yeah. would entirely be my fault. And sometimes yeah. I just don't need that extra stress in my life. It's it's the agency being taken away from you that makes the viewing experience surprisingly more pleasant than the playing experience. Because yeah. with a movie, it's out of your fucking hands, and you just have to watch what happens. But with the game, yeah, it is explicitly tied. And honestly, maybe that makes some people feel better, because they're like, well, I could do it better. And having that level of control makes them feel better, but I'm in a similar boat to you where I feel that it would make it more stressful. Yeah, so I, I, I'd watch a scary movie. Yeah. We started playing uh, The Quarry this week. Have I talked to you about The Quarry? What's The Quarry? Very, very interesting video game. It was on sale for like 20 bucks this week, which was really cool because it's normally 60. Deluxe version is 80. Both versions were on sale for 20, so we just got Deluxe, which gives them little 1980s outfits, which is precious. Um, it's very interesting. It is... Uh, it's more of an interactive film, I will say, in that... Um, one thing I like is that in chase sequences, you do not have to do the running. You are not trying okay. to find your way through in times of panic. You are doing quick time events where they'll have. Ooh, I love them. I hate it's, quick time events so much. It, it's generally just going to be like you see that you're about to have to move the joystick and then it tells you whether to do up, down, right, or left. That's easy for me. Button mashing, I'm great at button mashing. But there are accessibility sections that make those easier, longer, or automatically succeed so you can still 
do them even if you don't have the ability to do so, which I enjoy. Um, they That's even nice. have they have like uh, aim assist or like auto aim basically that does it for you, so you still get to have the experience and have that that fun level. Um, Personally, that's not my choice because that's that and making choices about what to do in the moment, whether that's in conversations with other people or choosing what path to take. Those are going to be more plot. Well, I can't even say it's going to be more plot pertinent because whether or not you succeed in high stress quick time events are very much going to affect how you survive and how well you survive. But uh, okay, skip ahead if you don't want spoilers for the quarry. This video game came out a while ago. Um you're playing as a bunch of kids at a summer camp, not kids, uh, kind of college-aged counselors at a summer camp. The camp just ended, their van breaks down and they're not able to leave, and then they're trapped on the camp property, and then spooky shit starts happening and there's monsters and critters and stuff. Classic story. Classic. Really classic. And it switches POVs for which character you're playing. So if you're doing couch co-op, you're not playing at the same time as somebody else in Switch screen. It You're assigned specific characters to play. Okay. And you're just trading off controllers. So you're mainly, like, a lot of it is watching cutscenes. There are some areas in which you are exploring and you have to find, like, evidence. Because there is a route at the end where if the cops show up and you don't have enough evidence, you're fucking screwed. I didn't even get to that part in my playthrough with Shiloh because I accidentally killed a lot of people. And I did not even get to the point where the cops could show up. I fucked it up pretty bad. One thing I don't like about the ultimate lore, again... Skip this if you don't want serious fucking spoilers for the quarry. Turns out it's werewolves. They don't even look like fucking werewolves. They look like scary, hairless, long-limbed monsters, which seem to be a big trend in horror of the last decade, I've noticed. If it's hairless and big and long, that's a little spooky. Um, so sadly, not particularly fuckable werewolves, in my humble opinion. But the lore is that you have to kill the werewolf that... or Whichever werewolf turned you is the one you gotta kill. So... If somebody turned you and they were turned by somebody else, will you just kill the one that killed that person and then you're good, basically? So I thought I killed the werewolf that I needed to kill, which was, like, the head of the camp. And then they were like, ah, but there's actually one more. It's this, it's, it's the son. Okay, a caravan came into town. Uh, it was called Harem Scarum. And there was this lady who had a little fortune-telling shack. And her son was a dog boy uh, or whatever. And he was in a cage. And the way... The, the the game made it seem I thought that sh I was on her side because I because they set fire to the fucking caravan yeah and and so that's why she took revenge on them with a werewolf curse and I'm like well that just makes sense so I'm just gonna kill that whole family for her <laughs> and I was like cool with that turns out I was not supposed to kill that whole family Turns out, I was supposed to consider her to be the bad guy, even though her caravan was burned down by this family's dumb fucking kids. Well, I just thought I should kill all of those guys for doing that, because that seems bad. Anyway, turns out her son was the werewolf that turned everybody, and when you read the lore behind the scenes, they're like, well, the son is, like, sadistic, and but, 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 he just keeps killing people. And I'm like, well, yeah, you, like, burned everything down. So, like... It's a little extreme to kill the whole family. I think he should have just killed the perpetrators, but I get it. Anyway, apparently I was supposed to glean that she was exploiting him by having him in the caravan, not displayed at all through the evidence we gleaned, in my opinion. There was just some flavor text saying that Eliza's motives might not be what they seem. And I'm like, I'm still on her side. Like, anyway, so I did get kind of a bad ending for that because I was supposed to kill her fucking son in the end. I didn't even get to that point. 
I just killed a lot of a lot of people who weren't werewolves. Um, as I'm saying that, I'm realizing that like not killing the head werewolf and killing a bunch of people who weren't werewolves sounds pretty bad. Yeah, I'm sitting here this whole time thinking to myself, I could take snippets of any of this out of context, and it would make you sound like an awful human being. The problem is that the the Hackett family who, like, run the camp and are the family, like, accursed by the werewolves, they spend a lot of the game hunting you, and I caught on pretty early that they're actually trying to protect you. They're just a little bit weird about it because they're trying to like trap you in cages and stuff and so it seems pretty bad to the characters in the in the game and i could tell that they were probably like not trying to kill us but i still thought that they should die for the whole caravan thing anyway apparently once i figured out that they weren't trying to kill me i was supposed to be on their side which no i don't think i will so anyway the only good ending is not killing anybody except for the white wolf which is the the dog boy even though i don't think he did anything wrong at all actually so so you're saying it's a bad game? No. It's a cool game. A lot of people do have the complaint, myself included, that it is not as interactive as we would like. Just, it is a very long game, and there are some very long cutscenes that I think could have been trimmed down for time. But it's an interesting enough format for a game that I appreciate its innovation. Okay, that's fair. So yeah, it's cool. I'm getting together with a bunch of friends on, on Halloween, actually, to, to play it with them, because I just played through it with Shiloh. Turns out, I got my friend John, the one who's six feet tall, I got, I got them to buy it. 11 months ago like last november when i first heard about the game and i said we should play it and then they bought it i've been sitting in their playstation library this whole time because i immediately forgot about it <laughs> um that's terrible and then i suggested to the gang that we all get together and play it and john was like hey we've had this conversation and i own it so that's the halloween plans now and i'm really excited so just watch a playthrough of it. If you're thinking of buying it, don't pay $80, but do watch every single path of a playthrough because there's a billion, jillion different ways for people to die. And I did pretty good until the end when I accidentally killed a bunch of camp counselors all at once. So I didn't do that great by the end. <laughs> Again, I could take snippets of any of this out of context <laughs> and make you sound like the worst human being in the world. No one is gonna believe you. I'm a sweet little angel boy. Nobody's going to believe you. They'll think, that's probably taken out of context. Stevie's a sweet little angel, and I love him. So. Even your explanation just now, I could take out of context, and it would still make you sound awful. Why are you trying to ruin my whole shit right now? Uh, because the animal finally kicked If in. I go down, you go down too. Is a co-hosted podcast. That's true. <laughs> Mutually assured destruction, which is one of the achievements in the game, which I thought meant that only one of the guys died. Nope. Obviously, by the name of that achievement, they killed each other at the same time. I was foolish to uh, disagree with Shiloh on that. Ah, well. He got his head chopped off. It was really gnarly, but he got the werewolf at the last minute. Indeed. I haven't played the game, so I, I have It's no interesting. That's interesting. Frame of reference for it. Not eighty dollars, though. Damn. That's no, I a feel lot like... of dollars. That's a lot of dollars. That is a lot of dollars. <sighs> I don't think that a game should continue to be sixty dollars three years after its release. I don't think it came out three years ago. But like, that's a lot. Quarry. When did the quarry come out? Because the animation is is remarkably good. Like it it is very very good. And for a game with like a jillion billion fully rendered cutscenes, I can see why it would be pricier. But in general, I don't think any game should be even sixty dollars. Okay, the initial release date was in June tenth, twenty twenty two. 
Wow. Okay, that actually is is that's like a year and a half ago. So that is very recent, I will say. Yeah. And I don't think that the initial price point of any game should be that high, but no one asked me. Pay your game devs more, give them more time, and pay the executives less. That's how we can solve this for everybody. Yeah, and honestly, most people wouldn't complain about it. Most people wouldn't complain about it. Everybody would be happier. Yeah. Except for, like, a few people who wouldn't be able to, like, scrape as much profit off of other people's labor as they would maybe like to do. Which we need to curb their their ability to do that anyway. Yeah, we do. Wouldn't be an episode without suddenly going anarcho. Ah, damn it. We've done it again. Yeah. That's the real fright. Capitalism. That's right. It was capitalism all along. <laughs> you, you take off the Scooby-Doo mask and it's just capitalism. It's just Henry Ford. <laughs> oh, uh, fuck. Who exactly. was the other guy? Oh, oh, it's just like Ford and Carnegie and like a horrid homunculus. <laughs> I'll just uh, tack Reagan and Nixon on as well, just for effect. Yeah. Just for symbolic effect. Also Dick Cheney. And Dick Cheney, we have a, we, I hope we have a talented artist out there who's able to make a very effective horror. Formal request, uh, can Reagan's mouth be the asshole of the homunculus? <laughs> I just think that would be fun. You don't think he's there until it turns around. <laughs> Reagan and Nixon are the butt cheeks. This is a good homunculus. It would be frightening. It would be frightening indeed. <laughs> See, all of a sudden, we crammed in an entire episode's worth of scary right at the end for you. Yeah. The most the most uh, backloaded Halloween special ever. Yeah. This podcast makes wide turns. So anyway, I think we have enough material. Oh, surely. Yeah, I guess, uh, Stevie, where can people find you? You can find all my stuff at steviebe.com. That's steviebea.com. Ah, oh, shit. This is going to come out the day after my Halloween special stream, which is happening tomorrow night. It's going to be with one of my dear friends and collaborators, H Squid Reviews, on YouTube and TikTok. Talks a lot about Spider-Man. Talks a lot about Sonic. Makes a lot of good content that I love. Has done many uh, Monster Fuckers streams with me. Um, although I, actually, at this point, it might just be two primary ones. We did one where I rated all of the... Um, symbiotes from like spider-man all of like the venoms or whatever and we also did one where i rated the fuckability of all godzillas and pretty much all critters from the godzilla universes which was delightful but we're doing one uh that's like horror themed and like spooky movie themed tomorrow which is exciting and apparently they're getting progressively more monstrous because michael myers is just a guy you know what i mean but then we have the thing which i don't think is fuckable we'll see if squid can convince me i don't think the thing is fuckable no the thing is not fuckable the thing will bite your dick off I probably like I was trying to think like any circumstance in which the thing wouldn't want to bite my dick off. The thing seems like a real dick biter. <laughs> the thing seems like a real dick biter. I'll tell you that up front. It's probably not going to get higher than a four at max. Four is morbid curiosity, and we're not going. The, the scale goes up to ten. I digress. So that stream is tomorrow night. If you're listening to this, well, you already missed it. You should follow my Twitch though. So why did you one. plug it? Just because I wanted to talk to you about it. Because you're my friend. Okay, that's fair. Michael, where can the people find you? Uh, the good people can find my music at mxmaxwell1.bandcamp.com. That's where you can find it for now. We'll Bandcamp see. just got bought out. Things are a bit fucky. We don't know what's going to happen with it, so it might not be for much longer. So if you want to listen to my music, maybe go ahead and get on that and actually sit down and listen to my music when you still have a chance. Yeah. 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 We also have, on a lighter note, a Patreon. Patreon. Where for a mere P 
Patreon. Where for a mere $3 per month, you can get access to all of our back bonus episodes, of which we have as many of those as we have free episodes. So you would actually get double the content in your ears right off the bat for only $3 per month. If you would like to spend a little bit more to help us do the podcast, because it does take a lot of uh, time, effort, and energy to get this thing put together, uh, there is a $10 tier called the Cool Kids Table, Mm -hmm. where we not only give you access to all of our back episodes and you can listen to them, but we also read your name at the end of every episode. Our cool kids are Maury Crimson, Gwen Abigail, Louie Meekle, P. Wilbo, and Cassidy Johnson. And we also have a $1 tier where you don't get the bonus episodes, we just toss us a little tip, which we think is cool. Also, we made creepy little, like, doubles of ourselves to record those episodes for us. So, it's pretty fun. They're a little bit slimier. They're a little bit grimier. I would say they're a little bit more loosey-goosey. They're pretty cool. So, if you want to if, if you wanna see, like, the, you know, horrifying constructions that we've made of ourselves that record those episodes, you should, you should toss us a few bucks. They're pretty interesting. Still going for that Halloween angle? Yeah. I'll just put a little Halloween spice on it. No, definitely. I think it works. Uh, we also have a Tumblr where yeah. you can submit uh, questions or quiz suggestions to Stevie because Stevie's the one that controls the Tumblr. Uh, mm-hmm. I control the Patreon, so... Mike is paywalled. I'm paywalled if you want to talk to me, but you can talk to me there. I do actually respond to people. Uh, our patrons can attest to this, I guess, if they wanted to. Steve Meister's free to play, so don't even have to worry about about uh, microtransactions. It's pretty cool. Microtransactions. <laughs> <laughs> They're Mica not trans- microtransactions. We're not Mica, charging Mi- per episode. Mica transactions. Mica trans. Okay, there we go. Mica transactions. <laughs> Anything else? I think that could have about- been the name of this podcast. Actually, Mica's transactions. Mica's transactions. That's fun, but it is a Halloween special, so we've got to stick with it. Unfortunately. Yeah. So, um, I just lost my train of thought entirely. Uh, I think that's everything. I think that's everything, too. So, I guess there's nothing left to say, but, uh, bye. bye.